0: Hey listeners, Denise here. Have you ever thought about doing your own podcast? Well, let me tell you about Pod2Go. These guys rock. They do all the tedious stuff for me, like show notes, sound editing, audiograms, videograms, and even publish every single episode for my show. They do all that work for me and it doesn't break the bank. But when I know my favorite part, they're so easy to communicate with. Seriously, if you're looking for a team to help you with your podcast, please go with Pod2Go. To, to get started with a 10% discount, email pod to at gmail. That's pod2go, P O D, number two, G O, at gmail. Frustrated with your pain or injury? That sucks but I'm here to help. Hi, my name is Denise DeShutler and I'm a bodyworker and educator. Why is it so hard to find the care we need to feel better? Most of my clients have asked that question for years until we started working together. Now I'm gonna help you find those answers. I'll explore different health disciplines and chat with talented practitioners. We'll share our insights and practical advice to help you get the results you need to feel good again. Because seeking the right care for your health can be a pain in the arse. But with me, your wellness journey will turn into a fun-filled adventure. Buckle up, baby, for the Passionate Health Advocate Show. Welcome, listeners, and thanks for joining. I'm happy you're here. Today we are going to a place where one woman's thinking outside of the box for reproductive health made her a living testament to the body's ability to heal. Let's buckle up. Welcome to the land of taking back control of your fertility. We are searching for Erica Hoke, Infertile Mama 4, publisher and best-selling author. Is that you? It's me. I'm right here. <laughs> Great. Well, I'm so happy that you're here and taking us to this land. And I'm sure a lot of people listening are probably like, what? How can we control our fertility? So do you want to tell us a bit about what even got you to this land?
1: Yeah, my story um, started at the age, well, a little bit prior to the age of 35, I knew um, as a newly married uh, woman that I was going to have some problems and challenges um, getting pregnant. I had, I ended up with seven diagnoses in all, but at that time I had a couple of them. And so I I knew that I might had had an idea that I might have some challenges, but it wasn't until um, we had gone to see a fertility specialist. And they told us that we had better chance of hitting the lottery um, than getting pregnant and that we would need donor eggs. So less than a 1% chance. Um, And that IVF wasn't um, an option for us, which that was my backup plan. Um, And that went right out the window. Um, It wasn't until that point um, that I realized that I was going to have to figure this out if I wanted to if I wanted to get pregnant, so I set about um, researching what affects infertility, and almost everything affects infer- affects fertility, and uh, and just started implementing um, diet and lifestyle changes, um, traditional acupuncture, acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine, and um, things along those lines, and was able to uh, get pregnant the first time at 36. Um, on our own, and naturally, naturally. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, we couldn't do IVF. I didn't have I had a low ovarian reserve. Um, uh, we didn't have the money anyway, honestly. Um, and then at thirty nine, we had our twin boys. two years later, a little bit more than two years later, also without the help of reproductive medicine. And then a long seven years after that first diagnosis, that first conversation with that reproductive endocrinologist, um, giving us that really bad news, we had our last, when I was 43, seven years after my initial, initial diagnosis. So um, every time I tell my story, no matter how many times I tell it, I get chills all over. They really are miracles, but they're also um, a testament to um, to the, the body's ability to heal itself, too.
0: Wow, that that is incredible. I think what I'm I'm most uh, surprised about, uh, just because you know we have this show, you know, Passion Health Advocate show, and you know, for someone to hear what you were diagnosed that you you couldn't conceive, you wouldn't even be able to do IVF. What made you not accept that answer?
1: That's a really great question. I just knew in my heart, um, I had to trust, um, that the desire to be a mother wasn't put there by me. And I had wanted to be a mother for as long as I, as I could remember. And so I knew if that desire was there, then that desire would be fulfilled. And so I went about, um, seeking, seeking to cooperate and just being led to, um, to what was my next best choice. Um, it was amazing after the fact because some of my diagnosis didn't come until after the birth of my first son, but all along the things that I were, I was being led to make changes. The areas I was being led to make changes in, um, were just the exact right thing for me. Um, and so that's how I, how I help other women listen, learn to listen to their bodies. Um, and that sort of thing, um, so that they can dial in and, and get the same result.
0: Wow. Okay. So that's, I mean, I, I think it's, it's, it's great that you were aware that, uh, you weren't going to take no for an answer. And I know, uh, you know, the reason why you're here today or we're with you, um, is to help people to know that they're, are other possibilities and not everybody can respond the way you do. And I'm sure you might've seen that with other people. So yeah. what would you say? I mean, now that you're, you know, now that we're here talking, it's like, what would you say to people that when they're just like, no, they end up accepting it. I mean, how do people even know to, to talk with someone like you?
1: Yeah. I think that you have to have a determination to keep going. Um, you know, I completely understand the mindset of getting this um, unexplained infertility diagnosis and thinking, "Well, that's it. The doctor told me he's the doctor. I can't get pregnant. They can't help me." Um, I understand that mindset, and I understand the um, inclination to crawl in a hole. I mean, it's and uh, it never come out. You know, that's that's what some women do. That's actually the the impetus for what I, why I'm here trying to spread the word is because so many women do get that diagnosis and then they have no hope. They don't know what the next step is. They don't realize that maybe just because the doctor told you that you should get a second opinion or you should get additional testing or any number of things that I go over, you know, with, uh, women through their, through their journey. And so, um, It's really a matter of, it's really a matter of not, um, just not allowing somebody to override what is in your own spirit. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, just like anything else that you might be told, no, that's impossible. Um, anybody that has overcome, um, crazy odds, nobody, nobody could fix that for them. They had to dig inside themselves and find the answers and find resources. And that's how people end up, you know, finding me is they're they're just really determined not to not to take that doctor's diagnosis as the final word. There's a lot of women actually who have um, overcome crazy uh, diagnosis and crazy. Um, infertility odds like I have um, and created the family of their dreams.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you, you, I think you definitely painted a a picture of, of what is it that makes us choose to persevere and it is something inside. And I think that's, you know, this idea here, what we're talking about is to give people hope to know that there's always options or at least explore internally, externally, what can work for us versus just stopping the first obstacle that comes our way. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you know, um, there's no guarantees, but I want women that, you know, go through my programs that do, um, coaching with me. We want to make sure that we've exhausted all obstacles. That's, that's the real goal. Have we exhausted every obstacle that could be preventing you from getting pregnant? Because in the end, I think that that's what, brings the women peace is that they know if they move on to adoption, if they move on to donor egg, that they, if they don't get the outcome that they want, um, they know in their hearts that they did everything that they could. Um, and I think that that makes it easier, you know, to explore other options. When you're, when you feel like, when you feel like you're just, um, labeled and cast aside I think that that's hard for people to deal with and a lot of a lot of women statistically that go through infertility are type a personalities anyway and so you know it's um it's a whole that's a whole different ball of wax for people with um that personality type
0: yeah yeah so we talked. We you know we talked about that you've written some books and that you know you were diagnosed infertile and then you have four t- children. So would you explain your role? as you're actually a fertility coach? Is that your role?
1: Yes. Yes, okay. I'm a fertility coach. Um, so we just start where the woman is on on the path. Um, meaning, did she just get diagnosed with unexplained infertility, or has she? gone further down the path? Has she had some failed reproductive endocrinology, um, IVF, IUI procedures, or is it somewhere in between? And then we just start um, picking apart that path of things that could have been overlooked previously or what we can do going forward. So I not only help women that have unexplained infertility, I also help women who are looking for better outcomes with their IVF and IUI uh, procedures. So we do a prep Um, You know, that similar to getting um, the women with unexplained infertility ready, you know, for conception, we kind of check the boxes for those women that are choosing reproductive medicine to also check those same boxes so that they have an insurance plan for that very expensive procedure and that they um, they know that if they had the procedure that the proper testing was done up front. One of the biggest misconceptions is, and I hear it all the time, and it's really really hard um, because I hear all the time from women, my doctor has tested me for everything, absolutely everything. They took a gallon of blood for me. They tested every possible um, test. I've had it, and so many times it's not the case. Um, and then after the fact, after the IVF or IUI procedure, they'll find out, well, this one didn't work. How about we test you for this? Mm. And they're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You just took a gallon of my blood. I, you just told me you tested me for everything up front. What do you mean? There's another test. Well, you know, so there's protocols, um, that are different in every office. And so many times there are things that, that, um, doctors that aren't willing to think outside the box, just don't test for. So.
0: So do you help? um, So one aspect, it sounds like there's, you know, it's a complex journey. And so obviously it sounds like it's, you know, to each person what they're going through, but in general, you said, okay, they didn't get all the testing. When you work with someone, do you advise them how to get the proper testing before making other choices?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, you know we have them get their records, and not just not just that the test was done, that the that the um, now, I'm not a medical professional, but I teach the women how to look at their ranges on their testing and teach them how to interpret and ask the right questions. Um, for instance, thyroid um, is a big one that uh, a lot of t- a lot of times comes back in range or normal. So, you know, what I teach the women to do is to go back to a pre, um, a pre-symptomatic time when they were tested for that. Usually, you know, that's something that's done in their health records um, as part of a physical. Um, So they go to a um, pre-symptomatic time and they find out what's normal for me. What was my, what was my testing, you know, two years ago, three years ago before I was Symptomatic. Um, Or even they might not be symptomatic, but what was my testing um, several years ago? Why has it moved in three years to this level? So I teach them to ask good questions of their practitioner and to to kind of find that needle in the haystack um, of what is moving along in their in their testing.
0: Okay. Okay. And then so you you brought up a lot about unexplained, uh, was it unexplained diagnosis or unexplained results? Yeah,
1: unexplained infertility, right? They just yes. get a, a diagnosis that unexplained, which means that the doctors can't help them.
0: Okay, because when I hear unexplained, it's like they don't know why the doctors can't help them. Is that what you mean?
1: Well, the diagnosis means there's no... Um, there's no medical reason that they should not be getting pregnant Mm. as far as as far as from a medical standpoint the doctors can't find any reason hormone levels everything looks good um so they're they're given this label and it's like well just keep trying
0: Uh, i see okay okay and that i would imagine is probably pretty common huh
1: it's very common, and they're just kind of shooed away. Um, and this is where the advocacy um, comes in. You know, teaching the women to advocate for themselves, get a second an opinion, um, what to look for in a healthcare provider, what that collaborative relationship looks like, because so many people have the mindset that um, that the the doctor is. I don't want to say God, but you know, like the, the, it's the end all be all. And I tell these women, you have lived in your body the longest, you know, your body the best. You're the one that gets to decide, you know, if you feel like that is, that's a good diagnosis for you or not, not, um, not somebody that, you know, you spend 15 minutes with, you know, once or twice a year. So, um, Having that, teaching them to have that collaborative relationship where they find a practitioner that is willing to um, partner with them and and asking questions and looking at things that might be kind of outside the box and outside the norm is really key.
0: That's excellent. I'm so glad that you do that because I I mean, I'm always saying for me, and this goes for medical professionals as well as uh, a patient. You know, I've been working with people for a long time and it's always meet in the middle, you know, and uh, the patient, everyone is an expert of their body. No health professional is an expert of your body. And so I love that because of all of your experiences and now that you're helping people, you're bridging that gap between patient and physician and how, especially when I can imagine how emotional you know, trying to get conceived when, when, when it's not happening and maybe people feel like there's a deadline. So the fact that you're bridging that gap, so both practitioner and patient can meet and come up with a better treatment plan. That's, that's exactly what we hope. That's like the best win-win right there.
1: Yeah. And it it sounds like it should be a given, right? It sounds like, well, that, that sounds right. Why isn't it like that all the time? But, um, you know, I'm not anti-medicine at all. I had a lot of surgeries also, you know, a lot that came along with my diagnosis. And I know that they helped and contributed to to my conceptions. But um, you have doctors and, you know, one of the things that people don't know about reproductive medicine is that the um, fertility doctors are graded by their success rate. So, if you're not a good candidate, um, like we were dismissed from our practice because they we weren't a good candidate, so they had to get us out of the roster for the um, for the practice. Um, and so, oftentimes, women are given a diagnosis, or they're not a good candidate, or um, you know that doctor only runs a certain protocol, and all these things come into play. You know that people don't realize. Well, maybe another doctor could help you if they didn't, you know, if they if they wanted to think outside the box, you know, some doctors are just very inside the box. They have their protocol. they're looking for that ideal candidate so that they can have their score be look pristine. you know, so,
0: yeah, and I think on that end, I know that's very complex because I know there's a lot of excellent doctors out there, and some, you know, have their hands tied. It's not necessarily what they want to do. So I think it's just, uh, yeah, finding, I think it's great that you're going to be helping people to even get the right practitioner that is able to work in a way that makes sense to the patient. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: And again, this is not, this is not, there are good doctors. We all know there's good doctors and bad doctors in every field. So some, some care more than others and are willing to, you know, willing to be more collaborative than others. It's just normal.
0: Oh, yeah. It's the passionate health advocate dance break. Now get up and shake your thing. Exactly. Exactly. It's always, there's always the gray thing. I think all of this is like, we're filling in the gray, the gray, right? It's like yeah. everyone that falls through the cracks, like there's, you know, there's no black and white. It's just how do we navigate the system that we have and fertility, you know, we've never really discussed this on the show. So I'm so happy that we're here today because this is a big thing and it's, it's reproductive health. And, you know, since it seems very common to get an unexplained diagnosis, what would you say are some of the common things, uh, contributing to that? Let's say, okay, I was, uh, unexplained, you know, they're like, okay, you're fine, but somehow you're not getting pregnant. What would some common factors be that you have found, uh, for reasons for that, that aren't coming up on the testing?
1: Yeah. You know, Uh, some of the really common ones are, are basic, like the example that I provided earlier, which is thyroid, um, plays a huge role in your reproductive health. And so you can kind of slide that bar and not even realize it, um, you know, attribute the, um, symptoms to other things. So I think it's really easy, um, for instance, mine is like my, my thyroid window is very, very small. Um, my tolerance, my body's tolerance. And so, um, if you were like me and you didn't get to the point that you recognize that that could be very easily something that would keep you from getting pregnant. Um, another thing that is frequently, uh, and this, this tripped me up honestly, for years and years during my infertility journey, um, is undiagnosed endometriosis so by law as far as i know (laughs) the doctors are not allowed to diagnose um they're not allowed to say you have endometriosis without surgery so for years i walked this tightrope of why won't they diagnose me i don't want to have surgery if they won't diagnose me i don't want to have surgery if i don't know i need surgery and um it wasn't until I started researching, you know, the symptoms of endometriosis, it was, it was very clear, but the practitioner is not allowed to diagnose you without that surgery. So you're not going to get an endometriosis diagnosis without surgery, but I didn't understand. And I wanted the diagnosis so I could choose surgery.
0: It was a catch 22. Yeah. yeah. (laughs)
1: Um, And so that tripped me up for years. I had stage four endometriosis when I had it removed. Um,
0: Can you you explain what that is for people that may not be aware?
1: Yeah. um, Endometriosis, your endometrial lining is what you shed every month when you menstruate. And so endometriosis is a migrating of that um, tissue outside of your uterus. So sometimes it ends up blocking your fallopian tubes. Sometimes it ends up on your ovaries. Technically, um, it can end up anywhere in your body. You can have it in your shoulder, your lung. It can migrate anywhere in your body, but um, those are more rare cases, but it kind of just, um, it's an overgrowth. And so it can actually just grow through your uterus wall as well. So it doesn't necessarily have to be outside in your in your abdomen cavity, um, but it can actually grow through the, the wall of the uterus as well. So. Um, when you're talking about getting the egg through the tube down, you know, into the uterus, if you have that extra, those extra gross, um, you know, it creates a lot of scar tissue um, and that sort of thing. So,
0: And is that, would you find that's also a common thing that it's that's a barrier common. for women?
1: Yes, it's very common. And I'm seeing more and more cases of silent endometriosis where they don't have like the terrible painful periods and, um, and the heavy bleeding and things like that. Um, so it's considered more of a silent asymptomatic, you know, um, endometriosis, but then when they go and do the, the laparoscopic surgery, they do in fact have endometriosis and it's, you know, causing a blockage in the tubes or, or that sort of thing.
0: Got it. Okay. And then, um, I'm going to say with that, how do you, what are some of the symptoms that people are getting? You said heavy bleeding,
1: heavy bleeding, pain. Those are typical symptoms, um, bloating, um, like excessive bloating. Um, for myself, I was hundred pounds when I was 18 and I would get furious because I worked retail and people would ask me all the time if I was pregnant. That's Mm. how bloated I was. Got it. Okay. (sighs) 12 years to get a diagnosis, um, you know, for, for the endometriosis. So, um, those are a few, um, common things for unexplained. There's also, um, something called, uh, factor five Leiden, which is a blood clotting disorder. Um, so there's a few blood clotting disorders that are very pop, very common in the population, um, that are not tested for uh, until you have a miscarriage or several miscarriages, uh, unfortunately, in the UK, they will not test you, give you a genetic blood clotting panel test until you've had three miscarriages. So I really, you know, feel terrible for those women that don't have access to, um, you know, it's a it's a public healthcare system. They can't even pay out of pocket in most cases. Um, it's if it's expensive here, it's outrageously expensive there to go and uh, pay for private care. So um, when we saw a geneticist after our first son was born, this is something that I was diagnosed with um, prior to getting pregnant. She said that up to 80% of the population is actually a carrier, but it's Mm. just not always expressed. And so um, it's kind of a wily, a wily little, you know, um, mutation, because it can actually cause primary infertility, secondary infertility, it can cause early, mid and late miscarriage and stillbirth. So it just depends on um, your genetic makeup and how, how uh, your body is processing the estrogen. So,
0: okay. So here in the, in the U S you're saying that that is something that can be tested. So people will know ahead of time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, if, if anyone has had one miscarriage, I strongly encourage them to get tested for factor five Leiden, or if they're able to, you know, with insurance, um, usually the doctors can code it. If you've had a miscarriage, um, to have the full blood clotting panel, because there are a few outside of that, but that's, that's the one that's the most common for sure.
0: Okay. Okay. And then besides these, uh, physical barriers, do you find that there's anything else that maybe, you know, isn't expressed in like Western medicine, um, that could be preventative for, uh, fertility?
1: Yeah. I'm so glad that you asked that. Um, it's something that I'm actually really passionate about. Um, I'm going to have a, a speaker in my group come in. Um, she is a, uh, a counselor for a fertility counselor for the, Fertility, um, association of South Africa. And the reason that she's coming to talk to our group is because trauma is, um, not only the trauma from the infertility process of repeated losses, uh, disappointments month, you know, month after month, um, not being able to get pregnant, you know, uh, repeated field procedures, but there's a big, um, there's a big link of women who are uh, going through infertility and have a history of trauma. So if you look at the statistics of the one in six, one in six for in- infertility and one in six for, um, for sexual abuse or sexual assault, um, you know, the correlation is there. Now, um, you know, I know the correlation doesn't always mean causation, but there's a huge population of women who um, have gone through infertility and have a history of trauma. And so, some of the things that um, you know that I teach my clients is how to, even if they don't have a history of trauma, but especially if they do, is to process that trauma, the past trauma and the monthly cycle trauma that they're going through, or you know the miscarriage trauma because all of that impacts your body in such a, a very profound way. Um, not just, it's not just psychological, you're having a physiological impact on your body, um, you know, with that. So it's really important to find ways to, to process all of that because it definitely does have an impact on your ability to get pregnant.
0: Oh, for sure. For sure. And so, you know, while you're working with women, um, Cause you said, you know, you don't have a medical background, but clearly you're bridging the gap. So do you also, besides, you said you're bringing in another speaker, uh, to talk to about this, do you also send people or refer people out to other specialists that maybe they need assistance with that could help with the infertility? Um, that's just not what, what the mainstream would think about like other, other, uh, professionals that you would refer people to for support.
1: Yeah, acupuncture played a huge role in my infertility journey, and um, it's, you know, even some reproductive medicine clinics are incorporating Eastern medicine practices like acupuncture into their procedures. So I couldn't um, st- suggest strongly enough um, having acupuncture uh, on a regular basis um, for a number of different reasons, both physiological and you know, emotional, um, and psychological as well. So, um, that, um, we talk about, um, EFT and AFT, um, for stress relief and for trauma resolution, um, both of those things. So I have practitioners that I refer out to that are able to do, um, you know, zoom calls and things like that. Um, if they're not in the local area and, um, yeah, that's the, those are the primary ones.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. I, I love what you're doing because, you know, as we know, it's not just one person. Uh, it usually takes a network and it sounds like, again, you're, you're leading people to, one, ways to think about, ways to talk about how to get their care, also other professionals that can support them. I mean, I, I love everything that you're doing and uh, how would you say with, uh, as long as you, how long have you been doing this?
1: I've been a fertility coach for two years now. Um, my kids are getting a little bit older, so I was able to, you know, um, jump back into, um, some work life. So I, I just felt passionate about it. Uh, you know, I was really encouraged by telling my story, um, which, is I told my story last year in my book and told some other women's stories, too, as a book collaboration of 20 of us who just felt so passionately about um, sharing our stories so that people didn't have to, so women didn't have to endure the length of the journey um, that we all did. And, you know, just to, to provide some shortcuts. So um, it's been really humbling um to share to share my story and be able to help people um, you know from a medical standpoint there's no legitimate reason any of my kids should be here let alone you know the youngest one the twins they all have their own like you know special uh, special place in that uh wonder and amazement um, but being able to share my story and the the women's story that I collaborated with has just been it's been humbling because we've seen the impact that it's made on um, other people's journeys and you know when you get that message from someone that you know maybe they weren't pregnant this month but they were encouraged and they had um, better they they had more peace um, going forward and they weren't their spirit wasn't crushed that month you know because um, of the work that, that I do. And that, you know, this book has done for women, then, you know, we all said, if we, if we only wrote it for one woman, then it would have been worth it. And, um, certainly, you know, the feedback that we've gotten has been amazing. So.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. What, tell us the name
1: of the book again. Um, it's infertility success, stories of help and hope for your journey. And each chapter includes a way to contact, um, the chapter author directly, as well as, um, free resources in every chapter from every contributing author. So, you know, we really wanted to personalize, um, people's access to, to the authors, um, if they connected with them, if it, if their story resonated with them. So.
0: Oh, that's great. And are these, you said you have 20 stories, right? 20 chapters. Yeah. And are these like a variety of backgrounds? in situations?
1: They are. Yeah, they are. Um, some of it is reproductive medicine. We have a few, um, that did napro technology. We did some that, um, had donor eggs. Um, you know, as some like myself who, um, either couldn't or, you know, couldn't do IVF, couldn't do reproductive medicine, or just chose not to because of their beliefs, um, that are in there as well. And, um, so yes, it's a wide variety of stories um across all all different uh you know spectrum of personalities and and um ages as well.
0: So nice. Uh where would uh where, where can someone get the book?
1: Yeah, it's on Amazon and um we're actually it was so popular, I had a few uh contributing authors that Um, because they were pregnant, couldn't, uh, couldn't make the deadlines for this. So we're actually doing more stories of help and hope that'll be out this year. And, um, you know, we talked about the mental health component of the infertility process. And in the process, in the, in the time of collaborating, you know, with these other women, I'm sure that, you know, you could understand we got very close And we all decided that um, a few of us us decided that had had some mental health struggles after um, our infertility journey to write um, a follow-up book. So there's actually a series of books coming out in 2022. um, And that one is going to be Infertility Success to Total Mass. Um, It's about PTSD, um, postpartum depression after infertility, because the one thing that often happens is that the expectation is that that's a magic wand that we're going to wave, right? I'm mm-hmm. pregnant. Everything is fixed. All that trauma that I endured, I'm going to shove it in the shoebox under my bed, right? And then the whole pregnancy, they are very concerned that the, you know, that they're going to lose the pregnancy, that something's going to happen during birth that when the baby's a newborn, everything in the world is going, you know, like could kill this baby. And there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of struggle in that way to resolve some of those feelings that might not have gotten processed along the way. So.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, these books sound incredible. I mean, I know for me, uh, just at least what I what I see of people in my life or, or knowing that they've gone down that journey, it's usually a very private matter, right? Between them and their partner. And uh, it's not something, it's like people don't even wanna talk about it because they don't wanna jinx it or they can't talk about it because they're exhausted or emotionally drained. And so it sounds like you're giving, you know, even a community, even if they're not speaking with them, just, yeah, where you can yeah. feel like you're so alone on a journey, as I can imagine, Uh, to now having a community of just, and also expectations, right? Expectations for the process. I think that's a big thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So yeah, that book will be out um, in 2022 also, but there are some spots available in that. So we're still taking applications. Um, But the expectations that society puts on new mothers, that's a whole nother (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's a whole other show for us, right? right? We'll have to go
0: to a different land for that one. <laughs> yeah we have to go
1: to a different land for that one, but really, um you know, to circle all the way back to that trauma um resolution as you as you are going through it and not to um, not to try to hide from that because it's not it won't go away, you know, and it's if your end result is a healthy pregnancy and a healthy healthy baby and healthy mother, you know, we have to get ahead of that, um, so that you don't have the outcomes that, you know, myself and some of the other ladies had, um, which is a lot of pent up, you know, um, anxiety, um, once baby comes, you know, so yeah, we don't want that. We don't want that, that joy to be taken away.
0: Right. Right. Wow. So what would you say to people listening, people that, you know, need to hear this information? What kind of uh, advice would you say right now um if they're having struggles? Like just something even before working with you, what would be some advice?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um get a second opinion. That's that's usually my number one um recommendation is even if you have to drive you know, a lot of people will just say, well, there's only, you know, there's only one practitioner or they take a recommendation um, based on somebody like a good friend's experience. And I can understand that, you know, but just because that was a good experience for them, you know, you're not them. I would, I would strongly recommend getting a second opinion. And um, the other thing that I would say is take responsibility for your own health. Um, Don't rely on a doctor to fix this for you because, if they've already told you you're unexplained, they're telling you they, they can't help you. You know, so take your own um, health not, take your take your health into your own hands. Get copies of your um, labs, um, which is easier and easier to do now, right? Like most most of us have patient portals now with our providers, so get those labs out. You know, get as far back as you can. At least have a copy for yourself to provide. Don't make any assumptions that your healthcare provider, your reproductive endocrinologist is going to go through all that information because they're not, they're not, they're going to get new blood work and they're going to go from this point in the timeline. So it's up to you to do a little detective work and that, that you can do on your own, you know, but it's certainly something that, that I do a lot with clients.
0: Okay. Um, and I know, like, okay, that that sounds good. It's like, okay, I want to advocate. I need to be the detective. Uh, I think I saw somewhere that you have a checklist. Is there something that can kind of help people guide to yeah. these questions and how to be a detective for themselves?
1: Yes, I do have a checklist listed there. You can just um, print that off and, um, you know, go to work, seeing what on there has been taken care of for you. You know, that checklist is for people that are, um, early in the journey that have had, you know, a diagnosis. So I have some other tools and resources available if you're a little bit further down the road, um, as well as like a free, you know, free consultation, but that checklist will definitely give you a jumping off point of the easiest, um, the easiest starting points for you to, um, review for yourself.
0: Great. I'm I'm so glad you actually have, uh, because I know I'm like right now I'm just listening to you know what I would imagine be questions from people, which is uh, this is all great, but how do I get started? And so the fact that you just already have a checklist that's somewhere it's a it's a starting point, and then to move yeah. from there. And I think that's usually what holds people back. Is, yeah, they is just, just not literally don't
1: know. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. They just literally don't know where to turn. They're just like, I. I don't know what to do now. <laughs> right. What am I supposed to do now, you know? And so yeah, it's definitely um helps them av- begin to advocate for themselves and ask for additional testing and and that sort of thing.
0: That's great. And then okay, so if people want to work with you, how would they get a hold of you and what would that process look like?
1: Yeah, so um if they want to work with me, um we do just an, an initial call. Um, I give them a little, little roadmap, some homework, you know, for them to do. And, um, and then just let them know, you know, if, if I feel like they need one on one with me, you know, offer that, or I also have a 12 week course, um, where they can accelerate their fertility because that's what everybody wants. Right. So, it's twelve weeks to accelerate your fertility boot camp, and we just provide um, its daily daily activities. It's self-led, it's videos, but there's also a support community as well for questions as well as live calls with me. So um, that gives people most of what they need um, unless they want to have, unless they don't want to interact, um, because of privacy. So that would give them everything that they would need in terms of tools and checking boxes for testing and diet and lifestyle changes. Um, and then there's also the one-on-one coaching if they want to discuss something personally and not in a, a group forum.
0: Okay. No, it sounds like you're reaching kind of different, uh, you know, usually someone that either wants to go in, hardcore and they're ready and they want to have the one-on-one guidance or someone that just needs to kind of go at their own pace and, and take all the information in. So it looks like you have two types of services for that. So that's great. Yeah. Nice. And then, so you have a website, how would people know where to even uh, contact you to get started with either of those services?
1: Yeah. So there um, it's on my uh, website. It's just my first and last name, EricaHope.com, And at the bottom of the page, you can, you can book that consultation and then we'll go from there. Um, you know, I definitely don't want anybody investing in the boot camp that I don't think is a good fit or that it will help. And so that's why everyone goes through the like the one on one call. And, you know, we kind of talk about where they're at and whether or not I feel like I can help them because, you know, that's the fair thing to do.
0: Right. That makes sense. Okay. And we're going to have all of that in our show notes. We're going to have your website, which is Erica Hoke. And uh, do you want to spell it?
1: Yes. Um, it's like hope, but with a K, um, H-O-K-E.
0: All right. Erica Hoke. She brings you hope.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, okay. I, have, I thought, have thought of changing
0: my last name. But <laughs> it's close enough, right? It's fine because that's how people will remember your last name. So it's good. Yeah. It's good. Okay, so we're going to have that and we have your checklist. Um, We're going to have your book. All of that's going to be in the show notes for people to access. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with people?
1: Yeah, I would just tell um, anyone listening, just because a doctor tells you that they can't help you doesn't mean that you can't get pregnant.
0: Excellent. I think that's, uh, that's definitely words of wisdom from your personal experience and also many other women that you've been collaborating with and also supporting. So I'm just really grateful that you're here to show us all of that information. So thank you.
1: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I, um, I feel honored that I'm the first infertility person, uh, to come on and speak.
0: So, yes, I know. I'm very happy. I think, uh, you know, here in the Passionate Health Advocate show, it's, it's, we're talking about health and we're talking about pain usually. And, and for me, you know, as a wellness practitioner, as a body worker, it's everything and all aspects. Okay. So this is also part of, you know, reproductive health and what goes in with that. And we're trying to bridge the gap for people to, to get what they need. So I just, hope that whoever has been watching or listening, um, and knows somebody that could benefit from this information, please share.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that. And honestly, if you're listening, you and you're not struggling with this yourself, you 100% know somebody that is, um, maybe you don't know for sure because maybe it's private, but, there's There's hardly anybody that uh, doesn't know somebody at this point that's that's going through infertility um, that doesn't know somebody that's going through infertility, so unfortunately,
0: yeah, yeah, I would have to agree with that, and that's why I'm so happy we came to this land. So Erica, thank you so much for your time and all your information and all the wonderful work that you're doing for everybody. Thank you. Thanks for joining the Passionate Health Advocate Show with your host, Denise DeShuttler. Like what you hear? Then subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.